You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. First Peter chapter number 3, we'll begin reading in verse 10 and we'll read down through verse number 12. Beginning in verse number 10, ready? Begin. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Amen. And let's pray and uh, we'll eat it after prayer. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the privilege to be in church for a, another Sunday that you have given us. And Lord, we're thankful for the uh, beautiful facilities you've given us. I thank you for the uh, technology that you've given us for a drive-in service and a radio and a live stream. And I thank you for the video cameras and the, the sound equipment we have. I thank you for the beautiful uh, instruments that we have. I thank you for the uh, uh, air conditioning in the summer and the heating in the winter. I thank you for the padded pews and the carpet and the classrooms and the uh, Evans building and all that you've given us. You've been so good. I thank you for those buses that we'll be able to get rolling soon. But Lord, we come before you tonight and we're thankful for all that you've blessed us with. But we need to hear from you tonight. And the buildings and the facilities are great. But Lord, what we need most of all is we need to hear from heaven. Uh, our families need help. Our marriages need help. Our relationships uh, need to, to hear from heaven and to be guided by the truth of Scripture. Uh, man's wisdom will fail. Uh, man's ideas will come and go. But we know that the Word of God is eternal and everlasting. And uh, it, is, uh, it is applicable for us today. And I pray that we would heed it tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. We started last week and... It was actually our third lesson. Our first week we talked about uh, some responsibilities for husbands and then we talked about some responsibilities for wives. And then last week we started on some uh, helps for the home and really for all relationships. We said in uh, verse number 8 that we should have unity. We said one mind. Uh, you got to be on the same page in a home. And, and I hope that in a home, I hope that's your goal. Uh, you know, you say, well, you know, my husband doesn't know what he's doing. Well, maybe not. I know there's times where my wife doesn't say it, but she could say it and she'd be right. There's sometimes I don't have a clue. How many of you husbands know what I'm talking about, right? I'm not the only one. Good. I'm glad. Thank you for bailing me out there. You could have left me hanging like you do sometimes, but you didn't. I appreciate it. But I think, you know, you say, but my wife, she's not on the same page or my children or my parents or whatever. And I understand that. But the goal ought to be for unity. The goal is not to fight. Uh, the goal is not to be at odds. The goal is not for division. The goal is for unity. Uh, we said in a church, we need to have unity and we need to unify on what thus saith the Lord. Not our opinions, but what God said, but unity. Then we said sympathy or having compassion for others. Verse number eight. Then we said love. Of course, we, we must have love in a home. And love is not... I'll love you if you love me. Love is I'll love you no matter what you do or don't do. I love you unconditionally. I love you sacrificially. 
We said that we should be tenderhearted or, or pitiful is the word there, but it just means to, to be kind and merciful to people, not rude, not sharp. We said that we should be friendly and courteous in uh, our actions and our relationships. And then we said last week our reaction should be not that we repay evil for evil, like it says in verse number nine, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing. And then here's the goal. We ended with this and we didn't get into all of it last week, but here's the goal. Verse 10, for he that will love life. That's a decision that you have to make, that I'm going to love, I'm going to enjoy life. It doesn't mean that things are always going to go well. As a matter of fact, uh, in life, there will be problems. And the longer you live, I, I was thinking this was, I think, a few years ago, and I forget what we were going through or what we were dealing with, but I remember thinking, when I was in high school, I used to think I had problems. You know what I'm saying? Like, boy, this is so hard. Oh, man, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I look back at high school, and I think, I didn't have any problems. I think about college, and I remember in college, like, am I ever going to get through college, you know, with studies and work and ministry and the crazy schedule? I remember I got to college, went to Bible college, uh, graduated from high school in 97, went to Bible college that fall, and college started in um, end of August, 1st of September, and like the second week of college, we had our pastor's conference. It was always in September then. And I remember that week, I was working security, working until like one in the morning, and then uh, uh, early morning, there were sessions or different responsibilities and all throughout the day. And I remember as a college student, I remember sitting on those pews and sitting on those chairs in the services, and I remember thinking, I didn't know it was possible to be this tired. It was like I had never experienced that before. And I remember thinking, oh boy, this is tough. Well, can I tell you, I look back and uh, college was easy. The problems don't get easier, the problems get harder. And hopefully, uh, we grow stronger. And hopefully, we have a greater dependence on God. And hopefully, we see God answer prayer, and we see God bless, and we see God strengthen us along the way. Uh, the idea is not to get rid of your burdens, uh, unless you're casting them on the Lord. But the idea is to, to bear your burdens, to bear one another's burdens, to help others, to serve others, and, and, and to ask God to give you grace as you carry the burdens that God has given you. The goal is to love life. It's a choice. It's not about chance. It's a choice to say, I am going to love life. I'm going to enjoy the journey. Sweeter gets the journey every day. We ought to love life. I want you to notice in uh, verse number 10, for he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. That's a quote from Psalm 34, he that will love life and see good days. To love life means that you're contented. It means that you're a happy camper. It means that you are not a miserable Christian, but you're a contented Christian. John chapter 12, he that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world uh, shall keep it unto eternal life. You say, wait a minute, I thought we're supposed to love life. Yeah, we're supposed to love life and serving God. But if all you love is you, if all you love is yourself, you're going to be miserable. But if you will love God and love other people, you'll always have something to do and someone to love and someone to meet the needs of. Second Kings 20, Hezekiah said unto Isaiah, good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. 
And he said, is it not good if peace and truth be in my days? How sad that Hezekiah said, hey, God's not going to judge me. He's going to judge my kids. And he said, as long as it's good for me, I'm okay. That ought not be the goal. Our goal ought to be to make it good for the next generation and to make it good for those who are coming after us and for us to see the blessing of God not only on us, but on those to come. The Bible says about the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31, she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. And that's the way it ought to be in a marriage. Uh, the wife ought to seek to do good to the husband and the husband ought to seek to do good to the wife. It is about each other. We see the goal is to love life and see good days. But next, I want you to notice in verse number 10, if you're going to love life and see good days, it says in verse 10, let him refrain his tongue from evil. I'm afraid that we have been talking about things that are pretty easy compared to this. Because now we're talking about something that we can all go back and we can think about things that we've said that we wish we hadn't. And can I tell you, it's so easy. It's so quick. Uh, that temper can flare up. And some people, some people yell. And some people scream. And I don't think you ought to do that. But can I tell you, some people don't yell and scream. Some people push buttons. And I don't mean remote control or microwave or computer. I mean, some people antagonize. Some people irritate. Some people cause that temper to flare up. That's not good either. Some people, they don't yell and scream. But it's subtle and it's quiet and it's sharp and it's hateful. And can I tell you, you're not going to love life and I'm not going to love life until we can control our words. Refrain. That word refrain, it means to stop. It means to bring to an end. Now, who's writing this book, First Peter? The Apostle Peter's writing. And do you think the Apostle Peter knew something about having his mouth get him in trouble? Remember this, Lord, I will never deny you. And then a little bit later, who are you talking about? I don't even know that guy. Peter went from announcing his allegiance to denying the fact that he ever knew Christ. His mouth got him in trouble. And if Peter's mouth could get him in trouble, I think our mouths can get us in trouble as well. The Bible says, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. That word guile is deceit. You know, our words ought to be truthful. Our words should not be misleading. Our words should not be deceptive. We should not say one thing and go and do another, but our words should be words of truth. David said it like this. He said in Psalm 141, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. It'd be like, and we don't have this we don't have this problem, but if we had a problem uh, that, that we had people trying to break in, I shouldn't have said we don't have that problem. You watch, we'll have that problem now because I said it. But we don't have a problem with people breaking in. But we said, oh, we got we to gotta do something. Some of these people have been breaking in. And so we set somebody at the door as a security guard, and we said, nobody gets in this door under any circumstances. That's setting a watch. You know what? That's what we need to set right outside of this right here, outside of our mouth. 
And you say, well, who's going to watch our mouth? Who's going to guard our tongue? Well, I'll tell you, a good person to put in charge of that, it's the Holy Spirit of God. And when you yield yourself to the Holy Spirit, you say, Holy Spirit, please don't let anything come out of here that shouldn't. Uh, please help me not to say anything foolish. Help me not to say anything hurtful. Psalm, one, uh, Psalm 19, verse 14, David said, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. You know who gives you the strength to guard your mouth? The Lord does. You know who uh, gives you uh, the ability to guard your tongue? The Lord does. Our tongue is such a, a deadly poison. It can be a fire. It can be so destructive, but it can also be used for so much good. I had never heard the story. I read about it this week, but there was a poet by the name of Elizabeth Browning. Elizabeth was very sick for many years and virtually she had become an invalid. At the age of 15, she experienced a, a terrible head and spinal pain, so much so that she lost all mobility. Some people thought that it was all an act, it was all for attention, but others say she had fallen off a horse and that was the cause of her head and, and neck and back pain that she experienced. But Elizabeth Browning was unable to move, unable to get out. She was so depressed. This illness only got worse. She got to the point where she could not even lift her head off of her pillow. She began taking pain medications and it seemed as if all hope was lost. Until one day, a young man came by by the name of Robert Browning. And you say, well, how come they had the same last name? Well, you'll find out in a minute. Because Robert came to visit her and the first visit encouraged her so much that she was able to lift her head off of the pillow for just a second. The second visit he came and she was actually able to sit up in bed. The third visit, they eloped. And Elizabeth was cured of what seemed to be a lifelong illness. You say, what's the moral of the story? The moral of the story is this. Our words and our spirit can make such a difference in somebody else's life. I'll use this example, and I could give you many examples. My dad was, as a father, uh, as a pastor, he was a Christian school teacher for 20 years. He was a coach for almost all 20 of those years. But my dad had the ability to encourage people and to uh, help people and to see the best in people. We stood, five years ago, we stood at that visitation, in that auditorium in Geneseo, Illinois, and people came by that our family had not seen for so many years. Some of them we hadn't seen in so long that we didn't even recognize them, and they would say, my name is such and such. I was a student in your dad's class, and in some cases, it was 30 years or 35 years ago. And they would say something like this. They'd say, your dad encouraged me as a struggling student. Your dad encouraged me when my home life was not good. Your dad did something as a coach or did something as a teacher that made a difference in my life. You know, that's the kind of life I want to have. I want to make a difference. 
You know, as we're getting these buses going again, you know what these bus children need? They don't need somebody that's criticizing them. They don't need somebody that's hard on them. And they need discipline and they need structure and all that. But they need somebody that'll love them. You know what our teens need? You know what our own children need? They need some kindness. They need some love. They need somebody that will say not a harsh word, but a kind word. Colossians 4 says this, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. I got in trouble this morning. Someone, brother, uh, brother Greg, was it you or, or Miss Robin or somebody? I forget who it was, but I, I, I mentioned a pizza this morning. And you know, as I mentioned that pizza, I thought that sounds good about now. And so I made the mistake this morning, so we might as well just go ahead and make it again tonight. But if you've got some French fries, and French fries, let's just, let's just clear the air. French fries are not healthy. Absolutely, they're not healthy. That's why they're so good, right? But have you ever gotten some French fries, and you got them through the drive-thru, especially, you know, COVID, you got them through the drive-thru, and you're driving away and you can smell them and they're hot and you reach your hand in the bag and you almost burn your fingers. They're so hot. And when they finally cool off enough to eat them, you take a bite of that fry and there's no salt. That is a problem. And for some of you healthy folks that don't eat salt, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be rude to you. I'm just saying fries without salt are not good. Okay. As a matter of fact, Matthew 5 says, salt is good, right? That's a direct quote from Scripture. Maybe a little out of context, but that's a direct quote. But if the fry doesn't have salt, it doesn't taste very good. And you know, sometimes you can say, well, I said the right thing. I didn't say anything mean. I didn't say anything bad. Yeah, but if your speech is not seasoned with salt, if you don't have grace in your life, if you're not gracious in your words, boy, you're missing out. The difference that your words can make, the difference that my words can make, only eternity will reveal how our speech affects our family, how it affects those we work with every day. Great Britain had two great leaders in the late 1800s, William Gladstone and Benjamin Disraeli. Both uh, were, were political, they were political opponents. They both served as prime minister at different times and for different spans. They both accomplished great things. What made these men different was described by a young lady who had dinner with each of these men on consecutive nights. After having dinner with both of these men, she said, after dining with Mr. Gladstone, I felt like he was the most capable man in England. But she said, after dining with Mr. Disraeli, I felt like I was the most capable woman in England. You see, one was not, not uh, shy about talking about his accomplishments, but the other one was very quick to build up and encourage somebody else. And I hope when people get around us, I hope that, first of all, I hope they don't hear about us as much as they hear about the Lord. But I hope when people get around us, I hope they leave saying, you know, I believe I can live for God this week. I believe that I can serve God. I believe I can keep going. I believe that I can do it, not because we talked about how great we are, but because we encouraged somebody else to live for God. Focus on others, not just your own needs. Focus on the needs of your spouse. 
Focus on the needs of children. Focus on the needs of siblings. I think sometimes our words get us in trouble. And I know for me, I know something that I have to work on is sometimes I don't say something, but sometimes my face says something. Do you know what I'm talking about? And I have to ask the Lord to help me. I have to ask the Lord to help me to be kind. I have to ask the Lord to help me to be gracious. I have to ask the Lord to help me as a husband and as a father and as a pastor. Charles Schwab is worth at this point in time, he's worth about $10 billion. He said this, I have yet to find the man. However exalted his station who did not do better work and put forth greater effort under a spirit of approval than under a spirit of criticism. Now, I want to tell you, I think you ought to be kind to your coworker. I think you ought to be, high, be kind to your neighbor and be kind to the person you meet at the grocery store. But let's start at home. Let's start with our spouse. Let's start with our children. Let's start with how we treat our parents. Let's start with how we treat our siblings. Let's start with that crowd. Again, this chapter deals with the wives and it deals with the husbands. And now we're dealing with all relationships. But may God help us in our homes with our words. Notice quickly, next we see our actions. The Bible says in verse number 11, let him eschew evil. That means to avoid at all cost. Stay away from evil. Stay away from wickedness. Stay away from the things of this world. Let him eschew evil and let him do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Sometimes we seek peace, but we give up too quickly. This verse says to seek peace, look for peace, and pursue after peace. That ought to be the goal. The goal ought to be to have a peaceful home and to have a happy marriage. And uh, you say, but what happens when the other person doesn't make it work? Well, I'm glad you asked because... Verse number 12 tells us that God will take care of that. It says, verse 12, that the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. I see lastly the motivation. The motivation for guarding our tongue and the motivation for, for doing that which is good and avoiding evil, the motivation is not for the outcome, to, not for the, the, the tangible results, but the motivation is because God is watching. I think sometimes we forget that. Have you ever, have you ever gone into a place and you noticed that there were cameras and you shouldn't have been nervous, but all of a sudden you thought, oh no, somebody's watching. Can I tell you? God had cameras long before the security companies ever came out with them. And God sees. And you say, oh, no, God's looking to give me. Well, what does it say? That the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. I'm glad he sees when we do what's right. It says his ears, his cameras, uh, uh, his cameras uh, have sound. He not only sees what you do, but he hears what you say. And he's listening to your prayers. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad that God is always on duty and he always is watching and he's always listening? And that ought to be motivation to live right and that ought to be motivation to guard our tongue because God is watching and it says the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. 
That ought to be a great encouragement to know that when you and I are doing right, God sees. And when somebody does wrong to you or does wrong to me, God sees that too. God knows. He's going to take care of it. It says, the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. You don't have to turn there, but Numbers chapter 6, the Bible says the Lord bless thee and keep thee and the Lord be gracious unto thee and the Lord make his face to shine upon thee. What's that talking about? Well, let me ask you this. Is, is my face right now, Savannah, come on up here, babe. I need your help. Okay, so Savannah, Savannah's just helped me around the house and she is, she's a sweet girl and so is Lacey. These two, they're a blessing, I tell you. I don't know what we do without him. The first eight months, um, I know what we did. We didn't sleep first eight months, but since then they've been great. Uh, and they were great the first eight months too. But now you got to watch my face, okay? If Savannah comes in the house, she's nine years old, and Savannah takes a marker and marks up the walls, okay? And then she takes a knife and starts carving in the floor, you know, and takes some scissors and starts cutting the curtains and... Do you think my face is going to be shining? This is a face that's shining. Oh, I'm so happy. Oh, no. My face is not going to be shining. It's going to be frowning, right? I'm going to say, what were you thinking? I'm going to say, why do you have to take after your mother's side of the face? No, no, I'm not going to say that. But I'm going to say, Savannah, I'm not going to be having a face that shines. You understand that? But so I come in and Savannah, as they did this morning, I wasn't there, but Joanna told me at lunch, the girls came in, cleaned the kitchen and helped with getting the little ones ready for church and all that. And I come in and I say, Savannah, thank you so much. You did such a great job. Can I tell you, that's what I want to hear from the Lord. We are, Miss Ronna, you said it, we are his children. And can I tell you, I want to hear, you did a good job. I want to see that smile. I want to see that face that shines. And you know what causes God's face to shine? Is when we guard our tongue. We don't, we don't say things that are not helpful. We don't say things that are mean. We don't even type things in text messages or on Facebook or in emails that are ugly. We don't even do that. We say things that are kind and edifying and glorifying to God. And then we, we do good and we seek peace and we pursue after it. And you know what God says? He's watching and he notices. And then it says that his ears are open unto their prayers. So Savannah did not do the marker on the wall. She did not do the knife on the floor, right? At least last time I checked. I'm going to have to go through the house now and make sure. No. And she didn't use the scissors to cut the curtains, so she helped and she, she did what was right. She didn't do it for recognition. She just did it because she, you know, wanted to be a blessing and wanted to please her, her mother and her father. And so Savannah comes. Savannah comes and she says, Dad, tell you what really sounds good tonight. You know, a couple things sound good. I've been talking about pizza and fries, a couple of those things. But she says, I'll tell you what sounds good tonight. And I'm not saying we're going to do this tonight. But you know what I'm going to say? 
I'm going to say, here's someone that's been doing what's right. Here's someone that has been pleasing. And do you think I'm going to be a little bit more prone to answer that request as her father? Yeah, absolutely. You say, so are you saying that if she writes all over the walls and terrorizes the house and vandalizes the place, are you saying you're not going to get her french fries? That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying there's going to be food, but it's not going to be probably her choice. But can I tell you this? God is watching and God is pleased when his children do that which is right. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.